You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It's the Oz Network, and we are discussing Nip Tuck. We're at season six, episode five, Abigail Sullivan, uh, first on screens, 11th of November 2009. Um, this one was directed by John Scott, another name that I'm not hugely familiar with. Um, and uh, writing credit here to Brad Faltuck. Um, an interesting episode, um, a, a bit of a, a maybe a down episode, but um, I think there's going to be some interesting stuff to discuss in this one. Um, my name's Nick, and uh, dildo sales are down. It's the goddamn economy. And my name is Ben, and dildo sales are down. I'm only repeating your line because there's literally no other quotes in this goddamn episode. <laughs> yeah, it, it is one of those ones where if you're trying to find some funny lines, you, you're going to be struggling, I would imagine. Um, but yes, this is um, this. It's an interesting episode in that we get a lot of resolution. You know, so the first five episodes, and if you're going to look at the Teddy stuff, and even further back. Um, a lot of episodes have kind of almost been building to this episode. You know, look, it's quite strange that we're going to get, um, a, you know, a lot of um, resolution to some storylines um, all happening in, in one go. And I probably didn't expect that in episode five of um, of season six. Which, again, kind of comes to the point where maybe this could have been, it could have lasted longer. I don't know. I just feel as though that... <sighs> It's going to be more of a build-up. I don't know. I mean, I guess you've got to have a direction with this season. You know, you can't have... Unless you're going to end Matt's sort of character with him ending up in jail, and that's kind of where Matt ends. So, I mean, spoiler alert, you kind of need to get Matt to where he's going to ultimately end up for when we end this show in, you know, 14, 15 episodes time. So maybe that's why we need to do it now. But, um, yeah, this episode is just... You know, th- this to me is is in that vein of, um, and you're not going to like me saying this, this is in the Sal Perry Granville trap area of that. It just, it's, a, it's a strange episode where all of a sudden we're not really in it for the surgery or in it for the, what we're usually into. I mean, yeah, okay, I know Abigail Sullivan's there and we've kind of got a unique-ish storyline, but even that I sort of feel is kind of recycled from Joy Kringle in some aspects. It's a bit different, but... Yeah, I just, I'm not feeling it this episode because I just feel that while what they're trying to do is I understand why they're trying to do, I'm not really hating the storyline as such. I just think that it's just something to me that I'm just, I'm snoozing in this episode. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not with it. It's got some good moments, but it's just, I'm not with it. Well, I think this is probably, and and we probably teased a little bit of this, um, you know, when we discussed this episode at the end of our last um, recap was that um, this is probably where you and I kind of differ in what we like in the show because the, to me this kind of actually hits a lot of my sweet spots for the show, which is um, I, I like to see these dramatic acting moments because we've got some great actors on the show and it's nice to give them, you know, I don't need to see it every week. It's not a dramatic show, but it's nice to have some of those amazing moments. Like when I think, you know, when I think of my favourite scenes from the series, I think of, you know, all the stuff around kind of Matt's parentage and those scenes between Julia and and, and all the principal characters in that storyline talking to each other. Um, you know, the kind of showdown between Matt and, uh, sorry, between Christian and Sean. 
um, you know, those are kind of the moments I really like where you kind of um, get these dramatic showdowns between these characters and, and, and how they react to each other. And I think you get a lot of this here. And look, I think I said last time is that I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a sucker for Matt because I think that there's lots of interesting things about his character, um, you know, and, and just everything that we kind of go through with Matt um, that, you know, there's some ridiculous storylines, but I think there's, this is one of those ones where it gets a bit serious and, um, you know, I just like it. And I think there's probably some things about it that, um, you know, it reminds me a little bit of, of kind of um, Breaking Bad a little bit, um, just in terms of the, you know, the kind of Walt-Jesse relationship kind of mirrors a little bit in the kind of um, Sean slash Christian-Matt relationship too. So, you know, there's, there's things I really, really enjoy about this episode. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a perfect episode, don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, I do like that they're making the effort to kind of, you know, close the storyline off to a degree. Um, I think it's quite interesting that Nip Tuck and I, I think I, I found this like in season five as well, is that we're not really going for kind of season long storylines. We're almost going for like a third of a season long storylines, you know? So you, when you think about, you know, the whole thing with Christian and Liz last time, that started with eight episodes to go, which was more or less a third of the, of the, the season. And, you know, this is episode six of 19. So this is almost the end of the first third of the season and it just feels like right okay we're ending a couple of the storylines here so you know i'm actually interested to see what happens after this when we do we start to build up the next set of storylines which i mean i'll go over some of the stuff you said there in a moment but yeah like i always struggle to remember what the middle part of this season brings because i kind of remember this opening up i remember the teddy stuff and kind of the matt stuff in the beginning i sort of remember some of what happens in the middle but you're right it's kind of like they're just separating it up and i sort of remember what kind of happens towards the end but i mean it's been since season four since we've had had that season-long arc and it's you know it's it's really where you can tell it's it's different and again my argument again being that they should have just split last season into two completely different seasons, and then we would have been looking at this differently, you know, and then the storylines would have worked better. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't get... The, I mean, okay, I sort of see what you're saying with the Breaking Bad comparisons. I can see that they're attempting to do something along those lines, and I'm not against the great acting. I will say this has probably got the best acting of this season so far. You know, we really are not having the phoning-in performances anymore, but it's just... It just, I feel like this Matt storyline to kind of really be effective needed maybe go a couple more episodes. Like, I just feel like, again, it's slightly rushed that we're straight into literally Matt willing to pull a gun on one of his dads. You know, I feel like that should have been a bigger moment that he's that desperate for it. So, I don't know. I just think that it's another one of these things where the ideas are there on paper. I just don't think it's executed. And it literally ends up with somebody walking into the ocean naked, which I feel should be a bigger moment than it actually ultimately turns out to be. Well, we can talk it all through anyway. We might as well start getting into the actual um, details of the episode. And it kind of starts straight away with Matt and surgery, which is good. You know, we kind of just pick up exactly where we left off. It's quite a quite a gruesome surgery. Like, it looks like it's a pretty massive wound. It feels like they're just, like, digging around in his intestines, more or less. Um, but we kind of get these, I think, really nicely shot kind of flashbacks of, of Christian dealing with him. You know, kind of like these blood smears across the carpet and um, and, and all that kind of stuff, I think kind of the the acting here is really good the dialogue feels like 
you know it's it's well delivered um i like the music here i can't remember what the music actually is and and we kind of get a lot of in this this episode of um music without lyrics obviously which kind of speaks to the the titular character that we're getting in this episode but um i i think it's all just really nicely shot kind of here and obviously we're getting the stuff in the background which is um you know while sean's dealing with with matt he's also dealing with the fact that his, his wife has disappeared as well so there's a lot going on for sean in this and i and i think they do a really good job of kind of capturing everything that's going on in, in sean's head and in his life and these in these scenes we kind of you know you talk a lot about you know some of these tv shows um they talk about what's happening and you kind of need to see it you want to actually see it up on the screen and i think this is one where you actually do see the stuff you need to see it's not just talked about so um i think that's good it's strange it like yeah, it's kind of this flashy editing which you know we're seeing it sort of on on different side of things um you know, I, I do kind of like how, you know, obviously Christian's here talking about Matt and, you know, turning himself in and then you see these detectives. So you automatically assume that, uh, you know, Christian's called the detectives on Matt. But then ultimately, of course, yes. it's for, for Teddy. I think that's kind of a clever way of doing it. But, um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's an interesting way of kind of, of going all about it and everything. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, I think the overall thing too, like what you're saying about kind of feeling what Sean's going through, again, I agree with that, and I think kind of it's it's just handled poorly. I think kind of we've had better episodes with Sean dealing with emotional stress than this one, and this kind of should be the ultimate peak of him dealing with this emotional stress, that his new wife has, you know, been murdered and his son's, you know, a, a armed robber, and that, you know, we just, just the way it's handled to me just doesn't have that same emotional connection as we've had for lesser Sean in turmoil storylines. Oh, see, I disagree. I think it's all dealt with really, really well. It's almost dealt with, you know, we see, because I think we're so used to Sean deals with these problems through um, aggression, you know, whether it's, you know, he's punching somebody or getting violent or, you know, just, you know, even when he's just, you know, he often does a lot of yelling, which, you know, is kind of the way he does it. And I think it's kind of like he's almost defeated by this. You know, it just feels like every time something goes well for him, it, it, it kind of goes backwards for him. And, you know, it just feels like a real sense of, of um, you know, everything that he's tried to do has kind of gone wrong. I, I, I actually really enjoy the way that they deal with him. That doesn't always have to be like explosive emotional stuff. Sometimes just this kind of slightly quieter bit. And, you know, we're kind of, we kind of carry on through that when we go through the title sequence. And then we kind of get him in the shower and he's just like this defeated man and um again i think just like his his non-verbal reactions his kind of facial reactions just absolutely sell it for me I, you know i just i really really enjoy what i get from him i think it just it just resonates to me really really well the one question i gotta ask is i don't know if i'm um jumping ahead here or maybe i'm jumping back i don't know but when they say that all we found is a heart and that we matched it to dna samples so we know it's your wife now, again, I'm no detective, I don't work for the police, but surely getting DNA samples and testing it takes a little bit longer than that. I don't know. <laughs> like it just Things seem to work very fast sometimes on this show, don't they? Yes, I suppose so. I mean, yeah, it, it's one of those things where, um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know. Um, yeah, it is one of those convenience things, and we get that a lot. Time is time is very, very um, un- unusual on the show. Things seem to work, move very quickly, um, and we've noticed that a lot as we kind of go forward. So, one of the things I just want to go back to with that that shower scene as well. With them, I, I do like the fact that there's kind of like no music at all. Like this would feel like a, you know, like a really cliched place to to play some kind of sad music over the top, and they actually go with nothing. That's just there's no there's no music at all 
all. It's just the sound of the shower, and I, I think that's quite a nice touch as well. Um, maybe what isn't such a nice touch, depending on your taste, is uh, we move into Julia. Julia's back in town. <laughs> Um, and you know, like you think kind of, oh, she's here to support Sean during this tough time. And, um, this is a, this is one of those episodes where you kind of absolutely have to hate Julia, I think. Like she's just a bitch and she's completely insensitive to, to Sean, you know, basically that, you know, how could you put, put a, put our children in harm's way? Um, and his hair's all grown back, by the way. Um, and you know, um, <laughs> it's gone quickly, and, hasn't it? Like, how yes, quickly yes. does a hair grow back? Jesus, maybe yes, they took it out of a yes. stomach and just glued it back on her head. Yes, it's it is one of those things, and I I just don't like that we kind of just get these guys just suddenly fighting. I, that is one part of this episode I just really don't enjoy. Is that why do you have to make Julia a bitch? I just I don't think this this was needed on the episode. Is you know the kind of the conflict between Sean and Julia. You know, like Sean's in a really bad place. Surely, surely Julia can kind of leave this discussion for a little bit later on. You know, like if if you're trying to make Julia a, an endearing character, this isn't the way to do it. I don't understand, and they do this a lot in season six. Why they always make Julia Julia coming back as, like, one of those special guest stars. Like, hey, remember when this character left and now they're back again? Like, they always try and play it that way. And, yeah, I know we haven't seen Julia in a long time, but as we've long established, she never leaves the main title, does she? She's always technically credited as being in 100 episodes of Nip Tuck when she's maybe in only 60 episodes of Nip Tuck. So I don't get why she's kind of always brought back and it's she's introduced in a way. It's like, hey, remember her? Like, it's kind of Kimber's always on the main cast since, what, season two, season three, yet she just pops in and out, like, whenever she wants to. Same with Matt. So... I just, like, is it just because she's Jolie Richardson? I, I, I don't know. It's kind of, it's just done in a way which I don't like how they edit her in season six, like his special guest star, Julia. Yeah, it just makes me wonder if, you know, she kind of had a deal with them as like, I, I just don't have time, I've got other projects or whatever it might be. And, um, you know, she was only available for certain times, so they just kind of brought her in for these, you know, they didn't have time to, to give her a real good story arc. Um, and, you know, I don't really miss her, to be honest. It's, you know, I think she's all played out and, you know, I, I just think she's a bit distracting really. So, you know, I'm, I'm not missing not having Julia, let's put it that way. Um, but, you know, Julia is kind of, you know, get, gets put back into this, um, this role of kind of, you know, taking sides between Sean and, and, and Christian and, and Christian's trying to talk her around into, into, um, basically getting Sean to agree to, to hand Matt over to the police. Um, and we kind of get, I, I enjoy this discussion between Christian and Julia. Um, you know, and, and basically uh, this whole thing about, you know, you've got to stop, you know, stop wanting your kids to be a certain way and accept them for what they are. Um, which is obviously something that is, you know, quite a main part of the storyline is that everybody's wanted Matt to be a certain way and, and nobody's let him be who he actually is. And this is potentially why he is the way he is. Um, and you know, like, I, I do like the whole touch on this at the end Matt's actually been awake during this whole discussion and um you know you kind of get these two these two parents and, and Christian and Sean who are at opposite ends you know Sean kind of wants to help Matt and you know even though he, you know it's probably not the best thing to do for him he can't help but try and want to help Matt and you kind of see his his progression um over the course of this episode where he kind of turns around on that whereas Christian's an asshole from the beginning but he's he's actually in this case he's probably right you know which the frustrating thing for me which kind of it really rears its head with this one and we joke about hashtag poor Matt and kind of everything that he gets through but there's just such a bipolar reaction with every time he fucks up and it's kind of 
go back to when he burnt himself and nearly killed himself with the drugs last season, that Sean essentially wanted to disown him from the get-go, and yet Christian was the one who was helping him out there. And yet, ultimately, you know, it leads them into kind of, you know, we're here at this point, and, you know, without spoilers, kind of what's going to happen this point forward after this episode is that there's still going to be conflicting, you know, moments of what they're going to do with Matt. So, it's kind of... It's it's a weird thing to say, but you kind of almost start seeing, and maybe this is the episode that you start to see the light, that, yeah, there's some bad parenting going on here with this kid, and that, you know, Matt should have been drawn into line a long time ago, um, which is kind of, we again, we joke with hashtag poor Matt that he gets himself into these situations, but... You know, he does have three parents who all have differing viewpoints, who all ultimately never can come to a solid conclusion, to which ultimately he always ends up, you know, in worse situations. So, yeah, yeah, I just, I struggle, and this is maybe this episode is the first time I really struggle to sympathise with any of these three parents in this episode as to their dealing with Matt, where I feel more for Matt this episode than I do for, you know, I'm a bad father. Oh, no, you're not. Oh, yes, I am. Oh, I'm a bad mother. No, you're not. Like, it just it just gets a bit tiring. We're starting to get into Julius slash Sean, will they, won't they, get over it categories. You know, I'm kind of a bit over it at this point. Oh, well, and I think that's a good thing. I think that the 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 kind of sympathy should be with Matt. And, I, you know, given that what he's done, um, I, I think that that's actually a real credit to, um, you know, maybe not to the writers, but, you know, to these actors that you can actually feel the emotion and you, you, you feel sympathy for Matt because, you, you know, like and certainly in this case, you could potentially say that who he has become as a product of, you know, the conditions he's been in just as much as his own choices. And I think that's an interesting thing to be thinking about while you're watching this episode. I think there's some challenging stuff to actually think, you know, roll over in your mind, which has not always been the case in the last few episodes of the show. So I appreciate it from that perspective. I just kind of want to ask you one question for your own, you know, your own perspective is that, you know, if, we, if you're thinking about the Matt character, um, what's the moment where you think he kind of just like goes off the rails? You know, is, what, what do you think the show portrays as, that moment where Matt turns into like this reasonably nice kid who has some bad luck and, and just like turns into this, you know, pathetic character who just is always in a bad situation. Like for your, your way of thinking, when does that happen? That's a very tough question because I think well, it's, it's done in such a way that because as we even talked about at the end of last season, he kind of went normal and then all of a sudden he's like, you know, uh, I'm going to say it's Ava because I think. The Ava, the reveal of Ava as being a man to him, because without trying to be spoilerific, that's the full circle moment that we will get at the end of this show. So I kind of feel that, you know, pre-Ava, and I think we went over this with all the things he got up to, they were kind of just like dumb teenage things that he sort of got himself into, and it wasn't really a poor Matt, it was kind of, he's doing this to himself, whereas... There was no way he could know that Ava was a man and the effect that was going to have on him. And you look at the rabbit hole from that point, you know, uh, kind of early on in season three to, with Cherry and then, you know, at the end with Ariel and, you know, leading into Kimba, you know, because, I mean, all of that led him into meeting Kimba with his kind of therapy and then Scientology and then that led to the drugs and then that led to him having sex with his sister, which then led to him wanting to be a doctor, which then led to him doing acting lessons which led to him being a mime to robbing stores. So I would say Ava is my, yeah. 
yeah, well, I, yeah, that's kind of where I came to as well. And I, you know, I know we all have, um, you know, these moments in our teenage lives where, you know, we make mistakes, you know, we try and cut our penis off, you know, it happens to all of us, but, um, but, you know, I think teenagers, you know, like oh, I, I would do that the other, sorry. Well, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I would, I would, uh, I would totally agree with that, that I think that that's the moment. And the reason I bring that up is because, you know, basically Julia accuses Sean of being a bad parent and that's why Matt is the way he is. Like that's the insinuation from her in this episode. And I think, well, who introduced him to Ava? Um, that was you, Julia. So I think you've got just as much, <laughs> just as much culpability. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like, a, and, and, you know, like the point that I'm making is that I think, like, I, I don't like Julia in this episode. I think she's just, she's a bitch, you know, and, you know, Sean's going through a rough time. Like, cause, you know, whether or not he made some mistakes with Teddy, and for God's sake, yes, he did. Like, his wife did just die. And you know, at the moment that she's kind of telling him this stuff, he doesn't know about who Teddy is and what's happened there. And, you know, a little bit of sympathy might be a good idea, you know. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I feel for Matt, but I do feel for Sean on this episode as well. But uh, we could talk about this all day. We probably well, just, should move on a little can bit. Can I just quickly add it? I mean, it's a good point, too, because reverse the situation does Sean go off at Julia for introducing a random woman into the household and all of a sudden she's experimenting with her sexuality? And I mean, like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anybody who, you know, starts dating somebody of the same sex, but, you know, this, particularly when this show was set, like, you've got to imagine for a young girl and, like, Connor, like, for Annie and Connor, like, to see their mother, you know, with a member of the same sex, they're not going to understand what gay means and all that sort of stuff, particularly if they're not brought up in that environment. So, you know, Julia is not exactly bringing a stable home, you know, to her children at that point for something they're not exactly used to. And again, I'm not trying to say it's a bad thing. There's, there's education involved in that situation. You can have fine households, but I mean, does Julia sit down and give an education to Annie at this point? Like, this is what gay means. This is why mummy's with a woman. You know what I mean? It's kind of Julia, Sean doesn't go out of his way to plant, you know, Olivia and, and, Julia as being terrible parents based on what she was doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that Julia's really, really hard on Sean in this episode. And, and, you know, I think that's by design. I think we're supposed to get a bit pissed off at Julia, but, um, it just feels unnecessary. Like she hasn't been here for a while. We bring her back and she's a complete bitch. But, you know, we're, you know, we're going to get more into that as the episode goes through. You know, I do want to br- bring in Abigail here, who's, um, you know, our titular character for the episode. She's, um, you know, this award winning or, you know, this really good piano maestro. And, um, you know, and that's going to be a bit of a, um, a storyline here but she's got basically a, a parasitic twin on her shoulder which um, reminds me of something out of South Park but um, <laughs> yeah it is um, basically you know she's got basically yeah it's just like bone and tissue mass which has been she absorbed in utero and um, you know she wants it removed and she only kept it because her mother referred to it as her sister Moira and you know she's the time has come and she's been through therapy and she wants to get this removed and um, yeah I think that this is um, an interesting character I think we're kind of um, getting back to um, some good kind of patient storylines here after Jenny Jugs last week. This feels like another very, very nip-tuck type of story. And I agree with that, and I think this is another one of these ones that could have been explored more. I also feel this is one of these cases, and we've talked about it in the past a lot, where I just don't think it fits the episode. I think we should have had this in a different episode and explored it differently. Um, and again, I think I mentioned last week how it just it's just got shades of Joy Kringle to me where like, again, I know they're different. I realize this time around, she knows that she's kind of had this attached to her. Whereas, you know, Joy Kringle had sort of a, a what a deceased well, a fetus essentially in her and she didn't realize it. But, um, 
you know, it's it's different but same, same at the same point. I just I just wish this was in a different episode again. I think this is something that could have been explored a lot differently. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I actually do think it's quite a good fit because I think what it's talking about is that, you know, letting go of what people expect of you and like her, her mother had an expectation that she would treat this, this, you know, basically what's a collection of bone and, and tissue mass in her shoulder as a, as a living person. Um, and, you know, she, and she's let it kind of hold her back. And I think it kind of fits with the Matt thing a little bit that, you know, there's been these expectations on Matt and nobody's treated these people for, for who they are. So I, I do see the connection. Um, and you know the the bit that I don't like about this, we'll, we we will get to in a little bit. I feel like it's a little bit of a um, um, yeah, a betrayal of kind of the story we're setting up here. But we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. I think it's a, an interesting patient anyway to get us started on this episode. Um, yeah, and then we kind of we move forward, and, and Sean's with the cops again, and um, you know, the, oh no, he's not with the cops, sorry, but he's with Julia, and um, they, they're kind of looking for for Teddy's next of kin besides him, and you know, there's no trace of family, you know, he hadn't he hadn't met any of the um, you know, the family or friends or anything like that. There's no record of anything, and um, this is all very fishy, and you know, once again, Julia's um, giving him a hard time about it, which is yeah, it's. Um, I've written in my notes, Julia hasn't been missed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's, um, yeah, it just, it, it just feels like it's, you know, it, she's just there to be a bitch, really, and I just, I just really don't like it. It's just not the time to be going after Sean and giving him a hard time about it. Um, but anyway, we kind of get the whole thing that, you know, she gets the support she needs from Sean, really, to, um, to kind of turn Matt over, uh, get this phone call from Christian and, uh, Matt's done a runner. Um, so that's going to set us up on, um, the sort of bit of a, um, a, a pursuit, um, across California towards Mexico, I guess. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, you know, we've got so it's more an adjoining scene than anything, I suppose. Um, just I was just thinking about this. When was the last time we actually had a Julia and Matt scene, like an actual scene with these two, like not just being in the same room, but I mean, I I feel that we haven't had something since maybe season three, um, when like they would moved out and he she was they were living there because, and I wonder if that is a simple case of Jolly Richardson and and John Hensley. You know, they just didn't want to be in the same vicinity with each other i just i just randomly thought of that i just feel we haven't had an actual scene with these two just these two uh in that long but um i can't like as much as i agree with most of the, everything you're saying about julia like you can just write julia out of this episode she doesn't need to be here um at the same time you kind of got to slightly agree with julia and kind of her question is of sean here that they're going through stuff and Sean doesn't know any of her relatives. Sean doesn't know anything of this. Like, and they're married. Like, that's one thing you've got to be like, okay, well, that's a bit strange. Like, surely you would know something. Um, you know, at the time of recording this, I've been with Mallory for just on six months and I don't know. I mean, she tells me 50 different relatives every day. So I've kind of got to take notes when I eventually meet them. But, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, um, I, I'm not marrying her just after this amount of time, but, um, yeah, I, the one thing also that I think would have been interesting is had this storyline happen when they were still in Florida, does this mean that, like, uh, you know, Matt becomes a boat person and has to jump on a boat and, like, go towards Cuba or something like that? Mm-hmm. Or does he go, like, long way up to Canada or something along those lines? Like, luckily they're in California right now and Mexico's just next door. So, um, yeah. 
I, I, yeah, and it's interesting as well because I think you could probably lob some of those insults back at Julia about how well did she actually know Olivia and what were you know, the relationship between Olivia and Eden and, and that kind of stuff as well. So, you know, I think all these things is, you know, um, basically Julia is somebody who's living in a big glass house and she is throwing a lot of stones, I think. So, yeah, I mean, it just annoys me from that perspective more than anything else that, you know, Julia is very high and mighty here, but, you know, she's got a lot of flaws as well. And um, if she was kind of coming in and saying, hey, look, you know, we've both made a lot of mistakes and we need to take respons- both take the responsibility, which is kind of where we get to a little bit later. Um, but right in these scenes here, I think it's just, it's just an- comes off as annoying to me. Um, but one person who was actually shown, um, shown a little bit bit of um, compassion as Christian because um, we go into this uh, Abigail surgery and Christian basically sends Sean home tells him you know you need to go and mourn your wife and your son um, which is really interesting um, and I do like the surgery scene and I, I didn't kind of realize it was so um, kind of intricate and difficult to do what he's doing but um, you know that he could if he gets something wrong he could potentially you know sever and, and you know an artery or something like that and you know he basically has to stop her breathing at one point because the lung movement is, is making it difficult for him to do what he has to do so I really like that I really like that we're getting the piano music which obviously fits with the, um, the patient who is a piano player so um, it, it feels really good to me. Which, if I'm not mistaken, this is the same music they used all the way back when we had um, Natasha in it and when we had that, uh, you know, him doing the eyeball sort of... Uh, we've had that... We've definitely had that score before. Um, right, okay. So, I don't, I don't know. I'm, like, I'm, I'm just vaguely thinking it's from the Natasha stuff, but, um, you know, it's definitely something that we've had before. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting one. This is kind of a lot more gruesome than I remember, too. Kind of, you see the, the veins and everything, all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, it's an interesting sort of surgery scene. Again, I'm just going to say it. I just wish we kind of had this in a different episode. I think it's interesting, too, that, um, you know, and we're obviously going to get a, a point on this in a moment, which is... You know, the, 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 there isn't any discussion about the, you know, the, the material that they're taking out of her, um, you know, being being buried or cremated, but it just goes straight into medical waste, which I think is quite interesting. I I would have assumed that, you know, in order for her to have um, finality and closure, that, um, you know, she she would have wanted to bury this as the remains. But it, it's interesting that she doesn't go there. But uh, we'll be following up on that in a couple of scenes' time. Um, we kind of then, you know, this next scene, Sean comes home, sees this kind of blue bag just sitting on the the chair outside the the doors open um and matt's there and you know this is i think a really really good scene of these two guys you know the the dialogue between them um because i kind of assumed that we were going to kind of get to the end of this and and sean was going to turn him over like it just kind of feels that way and and it kind of feels that sean's compassion wins over at the end of the day that you know he's in a bad place and um he doesn't want to really cause anybody any kind of pain that he's going through but, you know, I just think this is a really nice scene between these two. I, it, it just really works for me. And um, because I've got a little bit of tension there, I'm not entirely sure how Sean's going to react and what he's going to do. And, you know, his his decision to kind of let kind of Matt go, it kind of feels in keeping with who Sean is. So, you know, it, it, to me, I just I, I really like this. It just it, it works for me on a lot of levels. And like I think I've said about Dylan Walsh before, I think his acting is best when he, he's in this kind of quiet mode, when he's not yelling and being over the top. But he's actually able to just deliver some some really kind of quiet lines. Um, so yeah, for for me, I do really enjoy this. Um, I'm not sure where you're you're sitting on this if it's given you the same reaction, but yeah, I, I do really like it. Look, I can't fault it. I mean, it's a 
nice scene. It's well acted. And again, kind of, as I said, I think this is the best acted episode of the season. Um, and I kind of like the way they've kind of got Matt sort of now as just his ragged and sort of desperate look. Um, you know, I, again, I, I'm not going to fault it for that. Um, I mean, I don't really have any complaints about it either. I think it's just kind of, it's a, it's a nice scene sort of here, but again, it's, you know, this storyline, as I keep saying, I just kind of wish they maybe dragged out a little bit longer and so it had a bit more of an emotional effect for me. I, I mean, I'm not feeling the emotional effect of what this scene is meant to be because, again, I'm feeling like it's just a little bit rushed at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, and, and maybe my expectations are just a little bit lower because of where we are in the timeline of Nip Tuck that, you know, you, you, you're not aiming for perfection at this point. You know, you just want to feel emotionally satisfied with these storylines. And, and for me, I am, you know, and, and I've, I've always really enjoyed the relationship between Sean and, and, and Matt. I think it's, you know, it's been up and down, up and down, but I've always enjoyed it more than the relationship between Christian and Matt, which just has basically felt pretty, you know, contentious for a long time it feels like you know christians really had no time for him whereas you know sean you know for all of matt's faults has always been prepared to kind of give matt as many chances as he thinks he can to you know to do right by his kid and and so i i just really appreciate these scenes um yeah i'm becoming more a fan of dylan walsh more and more as the show goes on and um i think we're kind of we're almost starting to turn that final corner now where the show really becomes the sean show towards the end i think and and yeah i I just think this is kind of the start of it i just yeah for me it just it just works on so many levels i'm 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 sorry for you that it doesn't work because for me i just i I really really love it so yeah it's it's a shame but uh, anyway we uh yeah we 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 move on and and sean gets to the the police station um and uh they've 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 found uh teddy's head in a box or whatever it's very seven isn't it um but uh yeah and um basically um they've got the killer as well because he was in the car at the time um he won't say where the rest of the body is unless he speaks to sean um what is it about these crazy um murderous nutcases that they always want to speak directly with sean this is going back to frank and laura or whatever the hell that storyline was about was a similar situation i think so um yeah why, why are they always wanting to talk well to i think no, this one's different because he actually wants to kind of say like hey i saved your life so i think i think this one maybe makes uh, i mean I, I can see both of them though because i mean even in frank and laura the guy wanted to like like hey i heard that some you know plastic surgeons were working on my boat i want to speak to you you know so i kind of feel like both of them it sort of it does work yeah, yeah, I suppose, and, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of. It just cracks me up that we kind of go back to a little bit of these things that we've seen before. Um, poor old Sean. I mean, you know, most of us go through a lifetime without having to um, have a, uh, a a nutcase murderer wanting to talk to us at all, and, and it happens uh, on more than one occasion for Sean. So, <laughs> uh, lucky him, I suppose. Um, well, in Frank yeah, Laura's defence, with... Nick, he didn't murder them. He just had sex with their dead bodies. They oh, were already yeah. dead. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, he's practically normal. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, then we kind of move in and, and we kind of get these scenes between, as you said, this guy's a really good actor. Um, and you know, we kind of, kind of see these two kind of going through the, the whole thing and we get the kind of flashbacks basically of what happened to Teddy that, you know, he, uh, he ended up, you know, I thought this was going to be some kind of like, you know, blood spattered murder, but it's actually not. He just kind of smothers her with a pillow and then kind of cut her to pieces afterwards, apparently. Um, but yeah, and, and you know, he's, he's basically saying that she kind of revealed the whole thing 
thing that you know her husband had lots of money and she was killing him for the insurance and she would give him some of that money and blah 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 um and yeah so i think that that's you know he's basically saying that he he saved sean and um sean has these kind of quite chilling lines about uh you know the death penalty and and he wants to administer the drugs personally and yeah it, it, to me i find that stuff a little bit chilling uh it all basically ends up with sean uh losing it and uh you know jumping across the table and and uh beating seven shades of shit out of this guy who's um basically handcuffed and can't do anything about it i want to know more about this character because like i think is is this guy a serial killer? Does he do this every year on the on the meteor shower? Like, or is this just a random thing he just did? Like, I kind of wish we had have gotten something like maybe a scene when they're driving to the camping or just something where it's like, hey, there's you know, and the serial killer in the area hasn't been caught. You know what I mean? Like, just something like because I feel as though this is a, an interesting idea that. It's just kind of, it's convenient. Like, there's nothing to this character, the fact that he murders Teddy, but, like, who is he? Why did he murder her? You know, there's nothing really there that led us to even seeing why he did it. So, that's my complaint, I'll say, but I I love this guy. I said this last week, I love Matthew Glaive. I, I, this is a great scene in terms of the way it's acted. Uh, Dylan Walsh, really good, you know, as you said, kind of this creepy way he's saying about the death penalty. We will get sort of an episode later this season around the death penalty. But I, I think I would have actually liked them to have revisited this. Like, so have them later on when Sean says, I'm going to be there administrating, you know, the drug. Like, I, I think that would have been cool if they had to brought that back later on, you know, like somehow, like, just return this. And kind of, as you've said, like, they just don't seem to want to continue storylines past a certain amount of episodes anymore. So maybe if this was in season two, season one, this would have been something that, uh, it would have come back later on. So that's something to me, which I wish they had done. But, um, yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of creepy, but like this, the way this guy is like, you know, hey, I saved your life. Like, she told me she was going to kill you. So, um, it's interesting. Uh, it's, you know, in a pretty bad episode to me, I think it's, it's a pretty good scene. Yeah, I think so. And I do agree. I wish we had seen a little bit of, uh, more about how this guy ended up there. Cause I, I don't like the thought that he just turned up, you know, out of pure luck, basically. He was just there in the moment and, um, you, you know, was able to do this. And that's kind of saved Sean's life. It feels a bit, a bit convenient to say the least. But, um, you know, if it gets Teddy out of the storyline, then it was probably worth it. Um, yeah. And then we kind of, uh, move on. Um, Matt goes to see Jenna. And, um, you know, you get this whole thing of, of Kimber basically saying, oh, you know, let me come with you. Um, I don't really think anything of it in the moment because it just feels like Kimber's, you know, <laughs> jumps from thing to thing. So it doesn't really, uh, raise any eyebrows for me in the moment. Um, but yeah, so basically kind of get this thing that, you know, they can start a new life together. And, um, yeah, we, and that kind of sets us up for, for where we're going next. Um, then we have the, uh, the Abigail post-op scene. Um, Sean kind of, gets the Moira remains um out of medical waste and and Abigail kind of breaks down and yeah this is the, this is the kind of moment that feels a little bit disingenuous it kind of feels like she wouldn't act like this if she'd gone through all that that therapy to get to this point but I guess that's just me um yeah so I'll just stop at those two scenes if you want to add anything in there I think you're being way too kind on the Kimber thing here this is a part of the reason why I just really don't like this episode that I think it's incredibly suspicious, and if it's not, like, it just, it just, it's out of nowhere. Like, an episode ago, we've got Kimber back to yelling at Matt, you know, turning around and being like, oh, you're a dead big dad, and now she wants to run away with him when she's meant to be with Mike? Are we just forgetting this? Like, next episode, aren't they engaged? Like, 
you know, it just, it just, no, this is just, it's just ridiculous that this is even something that Matt would even believe. Like, hey, let's run away. You know, it's just kind of. Oh, but I think, but I think Matt would believe it. That's, that's the well, thing. Well, I, I think, mean, true. Know. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I, I will retract my statement. I agree with that. But like, it just, just the way Kimber just goes along with, I just don't like, I talk about how I like Kimber this season and her storylines. This is one that, you know, ultimately is going to be a payoff, but. I remember watching it the first time going like, this makes no sense. Like, what the hell? Like, this is not, like, what is going on here? So, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that all gets, that all gets resolved in, in the next scene because, you know, obviously Kimber and, and Christian are in this together to kind of round Matt up, you know? So, um, you know, it, it's, you're suspending your disbelief for all of about three minutes, you know, because of the scene in the middle. Um, other than that, you know, it kind of, it, it makes immediate sense later on when Christian shows up at the, at the gas station in a couple of scenes time. So, um, in the moment, you might think, what is Kimber thinking? Um, but, you know, Matt's not going to be worrying about that. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I get it. But at the same point, though, that like there is a payoff. But the payoff for Kimber being involved in this is just a literal look at Matt going, "I'm sorry." Like that's all she says, and the way she kind of does it, like I feel that Kimber would be a little bit more nervy around this because, like, why all of like, what has Christian got on the phone? Uh, hey, Kimber, Matt's been robbing convenience stores. He's a fugitive now. He's on the run, so he might show up. So can you just play along and drag him down towards the border? Like, I feel Kimber would be a little bit more like on edge and a little bit more like, oh my God, this guy, like he's robbing stores. I don't know who he is. Like she's just way too calm and just, I don't know. I just don't like it. I just, it just annoys me. Hey, you've, You've you've seen her acting in those infomercials. It's great, you know. She can, she can act. Kind of thing. But I've seen I think a porn as well as you know. Yeah, yeah. I think if we if we had seen the you know the phone call between Christian and Kimber, then maybe that would have been interesting. But it obviously would have spoiled all the um the tension. But you know, basically saying, hey, look, you know, Matt's Matt's lost it, and we we kind of need to get this guy you know the help he needs, and um you're just going to need to kind of play along with this because he's going to come and see you. This is a way that you're going to get this guy off your back, you know, permanently, and and you know whatever he might made promises about taking care of Jenna and Matt's place, I don't know. Um, but, you know, that would have obviously sport all the dramatic tension, so we're not going to show that scene. Um, for me, it all kind of is worth it because I do like the stuff we kind of get with, with, you know, they get to the gas station and, um, yeah, obviously, you know, Kimber plays along and she's going to go and get some stuff out, uh, you know, and, and Matt's in the car uh, and Christian's there. And, and, yes, obviously, as we've just talked about, Christian and, and Kimber kind of had this agreement to um, kind of meet there and, and um, turn Matt over to the cops. Uh, Matt pulls out the gun and, and um, threatens to shoot Christian. And you know, I know you made the comment earlier that that, that moment doesn't feel earned. Um, to me, I you know, to me it doesn't feel completely out of place. I, I, I do take your point that it's probably a little bit overly dramatic, but we're starting to build this point that Matt's you know in a desperate situation right now. So um, for me, I'm you know I don't love it, but I'm not completely uncomfortable about it as well. Um, and, and you know, to me, it just kind of really sells that moment that you know. Matt and Christian kind of hate each other at this point, you know, in, in, well, I mean, Christian, sorry, Matt certainly hates Christian and, um, Christian is, is, you know, he's not really the kind of forgiving character that Sean is. I mean, you get some, some kind of good acting between these two in the scene. I, you know, I do enjoy the tension here. So I, you know, I'm not having the problems that you're going to be having with this scene. I imagine. I just want to start off by saying that this is a scene that I think we can nominate for the top five because I think that. I'm going to have a lot of problems with this scene, but I think at the end of the day, it's still a pretty prominent scene that ends with Matt pulling a gun on Christian, and it's like it's shot beautifully. I think kind of the location is great. An episode ago, we were saying about how their exterior shots look terrible and on a back lot. This is brilliantly shot, 
And I think that, you know, to me, it's, it's got to be between this and you might sort of argue about Matt getting arrested. I think this has got more of a dramatic tension to it than Matt getting arrested. Uh, so I'm going to say, as much as I'm going to rip this scene apart and not like it, I still think this is valuable as a top five. Having said that, I think my biggest issue, and you kind of said it, that we've kind of gone from zero to a hundred full, like really quickly, that Matt, and you're saying like he's desperate, he's lost it, he's pulling it on a Christian. Again, it's rushed to me. I think that, had he had done this a year ago when he was on drugs and needed drugs, I would have believed it more. And I think kind of the problem there is in between Matt nearly killing himself, being that desperate and burning himself to death to getting to this point is that we've had this whole middle section where kind of he's just completely calm. And then, like, you're saying about how Christian and him sort of read each other's throat, we kind of had them yelling at each other in the final episode of last season over the money and the cryogenics, but then he's at Christian's wedding and it's kind of, you know, back to being normal. And then it just, it seems like when you say Matt's desperate, he's pulled one robbery, which he's kind of gotten away with. I feel like... There's an episode that we didn't have anything to do with Matt. Explore this more of Matt's confliction of doing these robberies. It kind of seems he's too comfortable with doing them. Like, he should be, you know, going over his mind, oh, I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to do it, you know what I mean? Like, this is where you could have added another two episodes to this to really bring it to this point where he's pulling a gun. It just feels so rushed to me that I think we could have had more. But again... This scene has enough dramatic tension to me that I can nominate it for the top five. I just wish it had more to it than it does. Yeah, I think I think you're potentially kind of wanting to have things both ways, though. You know, like you kind of you don't want things to be too drawn out, but you you also want you know you don't want things to be too rushed. And for me, I think I got everything I needed with the Matt story here. I think you know you could have, I would have liked to have had him and. In, in, episode two but you know this is episode six and apart from that second episode we've seen him and built on that story in every episode so you know like i'm okay with it it's not like we've suddenly just jumped in after not seeing him for two or three episodes um you know so so i'm okay with that um i think we kind of get the shorthand that you know somebody's been doing all these robberies you know so we do get the shorthand we see him with all this cash and i think you know it kind of builds on his kind of potentially you could look at him having a um addictive personality with all the drug stuff and you know like he's got a personality that you know he kind of does these things and and you know maybe thinks about the consequences later if at all um so yeah i mean i I can certainly see your point but i also don't i'm not feeling the same way i think i've got everything i need with the matt storyline um you you know i'm i I just think it's enough i think you could potentially just keep drawing this out drawing this out and if you're not going to make it an absolute major plot point of of the whole season then you might as well just cut it here and then and then start moving on with what the ramifications might be because obviously this isn't the absolute end of the story we're obviously going to get more of matt and where things go next so you know this is kind of like the end of act one i guess of of the kind of matt story for the season first point i'll say there's nothing wrong with wanting it both ways nick it's 2018 we're allowed to go that way if we want to again see your point but i think kind of this is just the issue that we've had ever since part two of season five and that's where i ultimately said this show jumped the shark was that we've got 19 episodes this season we've got room to move in which you can explore a lot more with these and that you kind of summed it up when you kind of these are done in thirds almost these arcs and yeah, I mean, they've ultimately been able to sit down. They've known for a long time that this show is ending in this season. And I think kind of a lot of my issues with this season is that I feel as though they could have 
done things a lot better on the grand scheme of 19 episodes. If they had 10 episodes, you know, you maybe say, look, they've got a bit of an excuse. They've only got 10 episodes to work with. They've got 19 episodes. How is it that you can have a 19-episode season and have such, you know, rushness and so many sort of things that just kind of come and go and, you know, let's start something new, do this, do that, yet we go to season four, three, two, and one, you know, even though, yes, I know you're not a big fan of season three, but, you know, there's still a lot of structure to season season three compared to what we're getting right now for you know a season that's got you know a quarter of the episodes less so that's just a lot of my issue too with what we're getting here with these episodes and these storylines yeah and i mean i yeah I, I totally understand that um i guess it probably just a little bit comes down to personal taste and you know i don't you know i've seen enough for, for me to be satisfied but uh, i i can see that you, you might feel shortchanged by this um for me i think the acting and that we're getting here is enough to kind of cover any short changes we might be getting in the script so you know i'm i'm quite happy with it but yeah i can totally see your point of view um on this one but uh, we can probably move on anyway and, and kind of look at uh the, the next scene which is sean kind of getting the full picture of who teddy is and the you know the cops have kind of put it together and you've got the old-fashioned kind of um you know bored with the lines and the you know the 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 pins and everything kind of showing all these ex-husbands she's had and she's killed them all off and sounds like the payout that she was angling for with sean was uh, significantly more than she had gotten with all the other ones um you know she kind of talked about the big payday being the million dollar one whereas i think sean was was insured for five million i think we were looking at at one point so um or maybe even 10 did he double his life insurance whatever it was it was a lot of money um and you know this is kind of where his um the kind of the cards will come crashing down around him that he kind of realizes exactly who this person is and they talk about the remains and, and what he wants to have done with them he kind of just says burn them which i think is a great button on this this little scene it just you know the anger is there with with sean and um yeah i think i think it's cool I don't, I just think again, it's rushed. It's just, it's shoved down our throat quickly. Like, hey, guess what? Everyone she was a serial killer. Here's her remains. Like, it just, it just, there's so much going on in this episode that we're trying to, you know, get into that's meant to have a different emotional connection. And you've said it plenty of times that you and I look at these episodes differently and it just, it loses the effect to me that we should be having here. This should be the grand reveal of Teddy. Like, here it is. We know she's a serial killer, but like, it just, it doesn't do anything. And I, one thing I think it would have been funny is of that board when they've got the ribbons, if we look at the past pictures of her, they'd have actually gotten Katie sack off. <laughs> like yeah, in her yeah. past pictures. I think that would have been funny. But yeah, it just doesn't have the emotional weight that it should to me. Uh, I feel like I'm just being the negative Nancy of this episode. So yeah, I just don't feel it. Uh, even the burn it line from Sean, I think kind of, that's where it should end it. I don't think we should have a scene of him dumping the ashes in a bin. I think burn it, that's enough, that's it, that's done. Thanks, Teddy, for being a character. So, you know, uh, that's just me. See, again, you're saying it's rushed, but then you don't like the additional scene they add on. So you kind of, you are having it. You, you do kind of want it both ways. Well, you know, again, it's 2018, Nick. You should try it, you know, like get a <laughs> sheep on one side and a, a lamb on the other, I, I, I don't, a goat, uh, I don't know. I mean, for me, I think what I quite like about the scene is that Sean kind of realising that Julie is right in the scene and and, um, and, and and that's kind of annoying for him, I think, as much as it is for, for some of the viewers that, you know, we don't like it when Julia's got a point, you know, we'd rather she was always wrong and these and these guys were right. So, you know, that's one of the things that um, is, is kind of annoying. Yeah, I suppose you could say it's rushed, but, you know, we've had Teddy for, you know, what, 10 episodes now and, um, you know, I think the story's kind of played itself out a little bit. Um, would I have preferred a little bit more kind of building up to, to this? Um, 
yeah, I suppose so. But you know, I I, I gave the last episode a pass when you know she just you know happens to fall upon a, a you know a crazy murderer who kills her. You know, like that feels very very um, you know lucky for for Sean there. So um, you know, I think that the problems that I might have with the Teddy story are, are actually they're further back than what we get in this episode. I think that you know the episode kind of deals with with where it's got to pretty well for for my perspective. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I can totally appreciate it as well. I don't think you'll be negative just for the fun of it. I can I can totally see the frustration as well. I just think at the end of the day, when you ultimately have one of our main two characters in this show, it's revealed that they married a serial killer. It should have a lot more of a a heavier hitting outcome than a, a three minute scene. Um, and, you know, in terms of having it the both ways, remove the line when he says, burn them. Like when they say, what should we do with her remains? Maybe just kind of have a look on Sean's face and then you have him dumping the things. I just kind of think it contradicts itself when you have burn them, which is he just, is that his way of saying, oh, well, you could get her cremated. Um, or he could just say something like, well, give them to me, I'll deal with them or something like that, and then dump them. I just feel like him saying burn them is a concluding point, and we don't need a summary of him dumping them in the bin, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can understand that. I, I like both the scenes, but, you know, I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't have been against what you're suggesting either. I think that would have worked perfectly fine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind it. I, for me, I just like it. Dylan Walsh kind of acts the scene. So, uh, you know, I'm pretty cool with it. But, uh, yeah, I, I can see your point as well. But uh, then we kind of get into the, you know, we're kind of wrapping up the Abigail story here where she comes in and, um, you know, she's got blood all over her. And basically she was, before she was performing, she cut herself open and put part of Moira back into her which is pretty creepy um, and you know she wants wants Sean to kind of stitch you back up and, and leave the, the little hand or whatever inside her that nobody would know and blah 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 and then we get I think quite you know some kind of nice scenes here where um, you know he's kind of doing the surgery while Matt's trying to you know perform surgery on himself and get his stitches done and we kind of get this moment where I almost think like Matt you know he pulls the gun out and you know is he about to shoot himself you know and if you watch this for the first time you might actually think that this is the case and um you know obviously that 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 ends up when um you know the end of surgery sean gets a call from matt and uh that kind of leads us into our our concluding kind of scenes of the episode i suppose well maybe not quite concluding but the kind of um you know finishing the storyline with matt um and the next the next scene which i think we need to talk through separately so anything on the kind of abigail surgery scene you want to talk through I just want to really take a quick little back step the detective guy that's uh dealing with sean um, through the Teddy situation, I just I'm like he looks so familiar. Like I swear he was in this earlier as a detective, but uh, his name's Jose Zuniga, and he's literally been a detective in basically every single show I've ever watched. So, um, he's so he is so typecast as a detective. Um, so that's why I'm like, has he not been a detective in this show already? But uh, literally, look at him up, look him up on IMDb, and every credit essentially has the word detective next to it. Um. Yeah, the I don't really have anything wholesale on the Abigail stuff. Like, again, it's our twist section that she's trying to shove a hand back into her shoulder, and you know, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> I, I just I think maybe Sean they should have just say to her like, yeah, we'll sew it back into you, and then just not do it. Like, isn't that kind of like the placebo effect? As long as she believes it's in her, or something along those lines. Uh, the interesting thing I thought about this bit with Matt kind of with the gun is it, and it goes back to John Hensley's interview with us. Is that 
you know, he, for those who didn't listen to it or haven't listened to it, you know, John Hensley said that he always thought the best way for Matt's character to end would be to kill himself. So, I mean, he's kind of a scene here that you could have had that and kind of, you know, when, when John said that, I kind of thought, well, that actually might have been a fairly good, decent way and understandable way for Matt to kind of end. Um, so that would have been unique. Like that could have happened right here. I and mean, again, if this had been a season long storyline, you know, this had to happen towards the end of this season rather than the beginning, you know, you could have had that. So, but I mean, that's obviously a very big call for them to have one of their main stars kill themselves. Although remember me saying that in a few episodes time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting the way they kind of do it. Um, but yeah, it's going to lead to kind of what we're about to see now. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, so then we get this, um, you know, which I think is a really, really good scene here as well, where basically, you know, Sean comes to to um, Matt's aid, um, sews him up, and, um, I, you know, I kind of feel this is coming, I mean, I don't think this is a shock at all, really, where, you know, kind of sews him up, and um, Matt says, I've got to go, kind of, you know, walks out the door, and there's a gazillion cops outside, so the, the um, LA cops seem to do a hell of a lot better than the Florida cops well, who are San, too busy Diego, chasing down. That's why, that's why we've never seen... San San Diego, Diego cops before. This is how efficient San Diego are. Um, so yes, yes. Season season yeah, um, seven would have moved to San Diego just south a little bit. Yes, yeah, and uh, you know they're, they're certainly not chasing up um, dead gerbils in the toilet. Uh, they, they've got bigger fish to fry and um, doing a good doing a good job. So you know, keep, keep it up, San Diego police. But uh, yeah, to me, I, I, this didn't feel like a surprise, and I didn't need it to be a surprise. I thought it was um, you know quite fitting that we were going to get the the callback to the early one where he lets him go, and then this time he's kind of made what I guess we we're, we're considering the right decision to um, you know to to call Madden and get him arrested um, and. And yeah, again, I think, you know, you get these great kind of facial acting from, especially from Dylan Walsh. I think he does a really good job, but I also think, um, you know, John Hensley's good in the scene too. And I think, um, even, um, Julian McMahon, you know, is quite good, even though he's got the kind of the glasses on that, you know, the kind of I told you so look on his face, I think is, is pretty fitting for this, this particular scene. So yeah, for me, I think the scene works really well. I think you've kind of said it's not, not your favorite. Um, and I would agree. I don't think it's not my favorite scene of the episode. If I'm, if I'm going back to one, that I really like. It's actually the the earlier one with Sean and Matt, but um, you know, I think it's effective and I think it does what it needs to do. I think it's the right button on on this episode. Yeah, which I mean, again, kind of as I said, I was tossing this up. This one in the top five or the other one, but I just think the other one's more effective. I think this one is it's quicker, and again, you know, it, it could have been drawn out um, having it both ways. But um, I mean, how the hell are they in this hotel room and that amount of police show up and no one's here in the cars pull up? So. <laughs> I mean, I have to find something to nitpick out there. I mean, that that's kind of questionable. And and do cops really let, um, you know, a random like Christian just stand there? Like, what if Matt pulled a gun out and started shooting? Like, you know, that's okay, citizen. You can stand there and watch us point guns at people. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. Right? <laughs> It seems like a lot of cops for for one guy that they you know they know where he is. I'm not sure they'd need that many cops, but uh, this it's is America, America, I suppose. Yeah, so well, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and for people and listening in kind of... New Zealand and Australia, they literally just said one cop like Barry knocks on the door. Yeah, g'day, mate. Uh, yeah, you bloody been robbing stores and shit. Get in me car, you naughty boy. Yeah. 
yeah, if he's got some pepper spray, he's, he's lucky. He probably yeah. doesn't even have that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, then we get kind of these these final scenes, which are kind of like, um, you know, they play with time a little bit here. We, you know, you kind of start the scene with with Sean at the beach, and basically he's got um, Teddy's remains and, and throws them in the bin, which I really like. And uh, along with his ring, I think that's it. It's just it's just so brutal. I, I think that that's a, a really good way of kind of really showing what he feels about this whole thing. Um, and then we kind of get like kind of cut back in time where Julie is kind of leaving with the kids. And I just think it's unnecessarily cruel to Sean. You know, I just I'm not sure what he's done to deserve that, really. And you know, kind of Christian jumping on board with, you know, with Julia there. I think it's just it, it's nasty, and it, you know, it's unnecessarily nasty. Um, and yeah, and then you kind of cut to you know where Sean actually is, and you know, stripping off and, and going for a, a swim in the in the ocean, which is kind of a weird way. I mean, never, you're never sorry to see Dylan Walsh ass, I suppose, but it's kind of like a it's a weird way of kind of ending the episode, but um, seems kind of strangely fitting, and it, it almost gave me a few kind of callbacks to, um, you know, the, the pilot episode from season one, where he's kind of having that that moment where he's kind of, which I've kind of criticised a little bit, where he's kind of staring off into the ocean, and you know, doesn't know what to do with his life, and it doesn't feel earned at that point because it's you know the pilot episode, and you don't know who this character is, and and at this point, this you know, to me, Sean doing something crazy like this just it, it feels very very Sean, it feels in keeping with his character, so. It feels like a, even though it's kind of a weird setup, it does kind of feel, you know, feels like it, it works for Sean. Can I just say that that ring is obviously expensive? Because remember we did you know, Teddy say something like, I'd, you know, the the ring's worth like more than two months severance or something like that. So for somebody who's in yeah. financial trouble, who's just paid for a funeral. Um, <laughs> you know, and again, how quickly yeah. in the world of Nip Tuck do they cremate people? Holy crap. Um, but I like, I don't like how this ends because particularly with what's going to happen next week in terms of the children and the fact that Julie is taking them away, but within a week we're going to have to be fighting for these children. So it's kind of weird. Um, and, like, I get what you're saying with Sean, but I still kind of feel more connected to that first episode because, yeah, we don't know this character yet, but it's setting it up that this guy's having trouble. So, like, it makes me want to watch more to be like, well, hey, how's he going to bounce out of this? Whereas kind of... You know, I love Sean. I love the fact that he gets emotional and I love the fact that he kind of has these ways to struggle. But again, it's similar to what I was saying about with the whole situation with like the parenting of Matt. Like it's kind of got to the point where like Sean's struggling again. So this time he's going to swim out naked. Like it's just kind of, it's a repetitive thing that this is the first time that I'm going to moan and groan about it. It might be the only time I moan and groan about it. But I just, again, it's, you're having the emotional impact of this episode. I'm not, I'm not having any emotional effect from him feeling this way, just the way this episode is done. But I will close it out in saying that Dylan Walsh's ass is looking pretty darn good. Like he is, he's been working <laughs> out. And considering that uh, Julie McMahon has gotten a bit flabby and the last time we see, saw his ass, we said it was a little bit jiggly. Like Dylan Walsh is tight down there. So, yeah, props to him. Although he needs to get some tanning on those cheeks. <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, I, I think you've got to give him credit. He, uh, he always looks good when you see him in these scenes. It's, uh, I don't want to spend too much time talking about another man's, uh, butt, but you know, you've, uh, you've got to give him credit. It does look, uh, does look pretty good. Um, yeah, so I guess that kind of um, leads us to, to kind of rate the episode. I'm pretty sure I know where, where you're going with this one. But, oh, fine, um, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll let you have... <laughs> yeah, 
Well, I'll let, I'll let you have the rant, and then I'll, I'll close it out in a more, more positive style. So, I, uh, away you go. I think I've had my rant enough to know that I'm going to bin it. I'm going to say that I've actually got this as the third worst episode. Um, I, I mean, I did say at the beginning that I kind of think this is in Granville Trap, Sal Perry. You know, it's not Sal Perry, let's be honest. It's in Granville Trap uh, category, where it's just it just it takes me out of this world. It just... It's done in such a way that, you know, I, I'm not always against it when they take me out of this world. It can work, but this episode doesn't work for me in any capacity. I shouldn't be bored in an episode where there's so much going on and there's meant to be so much emotional stuff happening, but I found myself constantly looking at the time and going, oh my God, when is this episode going to end? So yeah, after getting into the yellow last week, I'm well and truly back in the red and, um, yeah, I'm going to say it right now. After 87 episodes of Nip Tuck, this is the 85th best. So the third worst episode of Nip Tuck with only uh, 13 episodes to go. Yeah, and I mean, this is, I think this goes all the way back to, um, this reminds me of our discussion around, um, Agatha Rip, really, that, um, we're kind of on, on opposite sides of this, because to me, this is an easy buy. I, I love this episode. Um, and, you know, this is because I, you know, potentially I love the kind of dark, dramatic stuff that you kind of get in an episode like this. Um, to me, it kind of hits the, the things that I like about this show. It, you know, gets some good acting, um, which I, you know, I can forgive kind of bad plots because, uh, you know, to me, this has never been a, a show that's about, you know really good plot stories you know to me it's about characters and you know like this is where you get to see these characters interacting with each other acting well um doing all that stuff that i really like um you know like for me i've actually really enjoyed the kind of matt as a mind storyline that's worked for me a hell of a lot more than i thought it would um like honestly to me this is actually this has been my favorite episode since season four um this is better than anything that we got last season for me like to me it's just you know like this is what I'm after. I'm just, I'm after good acting and watching these guys kind of just lay it on and do a good job. And, you know, like I say, the the story, the storyline doesn't have to be absolutely tight for me to enjoy that if I'm, getting some good acting out of this so you know like you can give me some you know some some plots but if they're not really delivered well then or, or you know when it becomes about the plot and this is why you know this episode is always going to be to me better than something like the carver reveal because the carver reveal was just dumb and stupid you know like it was just you know it wasn't well thought out and you know and and you could potentially say the same about this, but at least there's some good acting here because it's about the characters and the Carver stuff wasn't about the characters. It was about having a big shocking moment. And to me, this isn't about big shocking moments. It's about some good acting and, you know, some good character moments. So, you know, I, I absolutely love it. It's, it's the kind of thing that I'm really enjoying. And it was a real pleasant surprise finding this episode. I don't need an episode to be light and fluffy and happy for me to enjoy it. I, you know, I do like the dark stuff. And for me, this is, this is a pretty dark episode, but that's what I like about it it's the first time since damien sands uh, essentially an entire season ago uh that was episode six of last season where one of us has bought it and the other has uh binned it so fascinating but i, I mean one thing i would really love for you to do nick is um i really would like you to rank these episodes like i have like obviously i've kind of gotten to the point where i'm ranking these as i go along so it's a little bit easier for me um but i mean i think that would just be just an interesting list to compare at the end and i mean i'm planning on you know publishing a full list and kind of having you know a few sentence summaries on each episode and why these are in an order um and you know kind of having that out there for people uh but you know i would love to see your ranking compared to mine because i think you know 
60, 70% of our list is kind of, kind of be similar, but we have some big discrepancies in terms of, you know, me having Julia McNamara as the second best episode of all time. And you no doubt would have had that very near the bottom. Uh, and same with like, uh, you know, some of these ones you just mentioned, obviously the Carver reveal. I've got that as, uh, you know, the 10th best episode. You'd probably going to have that maybe as the 10th worst episode. So yeah, I, I would love to see you doing that if you ever could be bothered doing that. I think I probably should have done that at the start because it's going to be quite hard to do it now, I suppose. Um, because, you know, like you go about, oh, Damien Sands. I, I have no idea what happened in Damien Sands that made me... It was a reality um, Oh, right. Yeah, no, I hated that episode. Yeah, no, that makes <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it would be hard for me to kind of like, you know, the stuff that happened in season one is kind of compare it to this. But, um, yeah, and I think the other thing, too, is that, you know, by design, what we do here is that we take an episode and we look at how we enjoy that episode. Um, but I guess probably one of the things that we have struggled with in talking through this episode is that we're actually more talking about storylines, aren't we? I mean, and, you know, like whether or not you enjoy this episode is probably going to be a little bit based on what you think of the kind of Matt storyline that we've built up over six episodes and what you think of the Teddy stuff. And, you know, like if you just hate that stuff in the beginning, then this isn't going to be very satisfying. But if you kind of enjoy what you're getting there, then this is good payoff, you know. So, um, you know, potentially it's it's hard to step away from the crap storylines and just evaluate an episode by episode. So, you know, and I think we talked a little bit about that last season as well, that, you know, the storylines weren't great, but we could, we could pinpoint, you know, episodes that we liked. So I, I find it hard, but obviously that's the way we do it is that we, we have to rank things by episode. So we couldn't come here and kind of rate, you know, what do you think of the Carver storyline or what do you think of the Liz Christian storyline? You know, like you, you, that's not how we're doing this show. So, you know, it, it does make it difficult sometimes when you get a, what I consider to be a really good episode in the in the middle of a run of shit episodes or vice versa you know like i think um we've we've seen that as well and i think that was where i struggled with the julia mcnamara episode for me i, I really didn't like that but it was in the middle of a run of good episodes so you know it, it, it can make that quite a hard job to do but that's what we're here to do i guess I couldn't agree with you any more than you just said. Um, and let's just start again so you can rank them all. Let's, let's just say it that way. <laughs> start again. <laughs> Do we really want to go down that road? Well, we can skip the shit ones. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> we could watch them in like sequential order of, you know, start with our favorite episode and just work our way down, which is kind of what we're doing here a little bit. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, but anyway, I, th- I think we can kind of move on and start talking about the next episode, which, uh, um, uh, involves uh, another potential wedding on the horizon and, uh, and Kimber and, and Mike. So that storyline's kind of back at the, at the forefront again. Uh, and, uh, our, our favorite, Erica is back on the scene. Which we have not had since Sal Perry. So, um, I, I have to say that, like, as much as this storyline is kind of weird because, like, essentially it involves a pedo and Annie, um, don't comment on that with me commenting about Annie. Like, just don't open that door. But, um, I, I, you weirdly agree with Erica a lot of what this story, like, she's painted out as a villain, but I'm just gonna say it now. I kind of weirdly agree with Erica's plans here, (laughs) which I shouldn't be doing. Um, but one thing I will say, because this is, I'm gonna, this is kind of like the first and only direct two-part episode of Nip Tuck, if that makes sense, because we literally have, like, Alexa Stone and Alexa Stone 2. So this might actually, I don't know how we will schedule this, we might do this as kind of 
publish these on the same day like we've done with some lost episodes and third watch episodes. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. But um, it does lead to an absolutely terrible cliffhanger at the end of Alexis Stone 2, which it's almost Sal Perry bullshitness of how that episode nearly ended. So the the, the difference is <laughs> it ends this way. It's not a freaking... Well, I mean, let's be honest, Julia did murder someone <laughs> that we've never established. Anyway, we're not coming back into Sal Perry, but uh, it's a, it's an interesting couple of weeks coming up because there's some recycled storylines as well involving, you know, male to female to female to male, which, I mean, it's recycled, but it's not. But you know what I mean. Let's, let's fucking bring Erica back in and an Italian pedophile husband or whatever he is. <laughs> Promises to be good fun. Yes, always. When there's an Italian pedophile in it, it's a laugh a minute. Yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, so, I mean, uh, just before we close up, um, just just a reminder that this was a very, um, uh, quote, beer episode, so bear with us if our final quotes are not great. Um, I'm just keeping in mind that mine's absolutely crap, so, uh, yeah, bear with us on that point. But uh, other, other than that, I would say um, if, if you're liking what, you're doing, what we're doing and you want to see more, um, you can follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter and, and all that usual stuff. Go rate us on iTunes, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, give us some feedback if you feel so inclined. But uh, until next time, uh, my name's Nick, and uh, who's Dixie? <laughs> and my name is Ben, and I'm not even going to bother with this one. Dildo sales are down. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.